Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like expanding capacity for sustainable aviation fuel and biodiesel in Washington state and bringing massive new infrastructure online in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. I'm Jenna Wortham. I'm Wesley Morris. We're two culture writers for the New York Times. And this is... Still Processing. And this week, we're talking about the necessity of Oliver Stone Snowden. As well as the problem with Renee Zellweger as Bridget Jones in 2016. Yes. And we also have an extra, 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 extra special guest this week. And you're going to die. So just wait for it. That's coming up soon. Okay. Well, before before my face falls off, do you want to thank me for anything? Mm. You want to say thank you? <laughs> want to say, hey, daddy? <laughs> no. <You're>... Ew. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thank I you, love how you got to muster the thanks. No, I'm embarrassed. I'm really embarrassed because I I will say that before this weekend, I didn't really look. People would be like, "Do you know about the Emmys?" And I would pull Mariah Carey and be like, "I don't know her. Like, I didn't know what they were about." And you said, "Girl, go ahead and watch them." And I did, and I had such a good time. I'm, a, you know, I didn't have my TV up and running, so I had to watch it my friend Shawnee's. But it was great. I had such a good time watching the Emmys. Great. I'm glad you did. You're welcome. <laughs> Jimmy Kimmel, best hosting job I've seen Facts. on any award show in a long time. Facts. He didn't just give you all monologue at the front. He stayed for the whole show, funny whole time, crossed some lines. Even the line crossing was interesting. I mean, the Bill Cosby joke was hilarious. So at some point, the we come house back comes from up commercial. from a commercial. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, four-time Emmy Award winner, Dr. Bill Cosby. <laughs> And I mean, I, I was sort of looking around like, what is going is, And there was, a, there was a long space in which nothing happened. Right. And then you see right. somebody in the distance from this sh- in this shot come out onto the stage. And you're like, could it be? But it's just Jimmy Kimmel. He's not really here. I just wanted to see what you guys would do. It was great. That was it was a really interesting mind game. And he yeah. wasn't that kind of host all night. He was a, he was really good with the natural quips. Jimmy Kimmel does not get enough credit for being smart. He's, so efficient. He's, he's very so quick good. on his feet. Yeah. He doesn't have writers feeding him things as far as I can tell. He's just really fast. And I know there are people who are listening to this show being like, well, you know Bill Simmons, and Bill Simmons is friends with Jimmy Kimmel. Not true! I mean, those things are true, <laughs> but I don't know Jimmy Kimmel. I just think Jimmy is just really good at his job. And oh, he's great. He's, he's wanted hilarious. to host something at this level for a long time. Yes. He was funny. And what else can you ask for? So let's talk about some winners really quickly. Uh, oh, yeah. What were your favorite moments? Favorite wins? Favorite wins? Uh, all the OJ people. All the OJ people. So <laughs> deserved. Uh, Courtney B. Vance, uh, Sterling, Sterling K. Brown, Sarah Paulson, who brought Marsha Clark. Uh, also, wait, wait. Also, so Sarah Paulson wins. At the very end, thanks her girlfriend, Holland Taylor. Holland Taylor just tweets, there it is. And it's just like the <laughs> best thing ever. Uh, those two are so dreamy. Ugh, dream couple. There was a lot of good things that happened last night. But mostly, I just want to say again that it, this, this, that broadcast restored my faith in award shows. All the speeches were really good. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even so much that the right people won, you know, quote unquote, the right people. It was just that the show was lively without any music, which you wanted, crazily enough. I you texted me at some point. I, like, I was like, where's the music? 
<laughs> I was like, "Where's who's going to perform at the Emmys?" And Wesley just like that. At that point, you stopped. You stopped responding. You just were ignoring me. <laughs> well, from, from the rest I had, of the night. I had, to, I had some stuff to do. I will say, I didn't make it to the end. You know, I was enjoying myself. I was sipping on some wine, and something. I got really wine angry. I got, I got angry, and I called an Uber, and I was like, "I'm out," and I just dipped out. And everyone was like, "Are you okay?" And I was what like, angered "Yes, you? yes, okay." So without denigrating anything about the show transparent whatsoever that show has given me so much you know like I've cried I've like held myself watching the show it's one of the few shows I've watched more than once in like the last year except for sex in the city but that's a separate thing but like I've I've watched that show in and out I feel like it's a book you know what I mean like I pick it, it is, up every time I feel it sad is, it is it is literature it is novelistic and it love is, it is it's a masterpiece and it's given my family it's given a lot of people in my life language for talking about queerness which is very special to me yes okay however Y'all, like, I just, I couldn't handle, I couldn't handle the way that everyone was so pleased about Transparent being transparent and winning. And I, You mean the show's director and creator, yeah, Jill Soloway I mean, and Jeffrey Tambor? Everyone was Tambor's, just too pleased. Yeah, I yes. mean, on the internet, like, other cultural critics, oh, like, there's just, like, there's something to me very specific about assuming that that means the work is done and assuming that that means that, you know, for trans people, life is better or life is getting better because it is not. That's just not the lived reality. Trans people die every day. Every day. And so it's not that the show needs to carry that burden, but there was Mm. also like this notion that this is the work that needs to be done. I'm like, girl, (laughs) like I tweeted that Jill Soloway, girl. So I want to thank you, my sweet Jeff Bezos, because you changed the world. And you invited me to do this thing that these people call television, but I call a revolution. I've always wanted to be part of a movement, civil rights movement, the feminist movement. This TV show allows me to take my dreams about unlikable Jewish people, (laughs) queer folk, trans folk and make them the heroes thank you to the trans community for your lived lives we need to stop violence against transgender women and topple the patriarchy topple the patriarchy chill for a minute just chill for a minute it was making me i was so heated i was like screaming at the television my friends were alarmed i had to put myself in uber and go home i it is an interesting thing to sort of to think about what what this show actually is doing socially. But again, it exists in this sort of rarefied realm of boutique television concerning well-to-do people in an enclave of Los Angeles. It Its connection to, to, to the larger trans universe is, you know, to day-to-day life trans life. Right, right. Is, is a different story. Right. Um, anyway... <laughs> What's that sound? Oh my gosh. Wait a minute. Hold on. Yes, I do. If we play this long enough, does RuPaul just magically appear? Poof. Yes. No. Strap in. (laughs) You're lying. (laughs) It's happening. Get ready. Lying so bad, you might be running for president. What's going on? (laughs) Really? We're going to talk to RuPaul. Yes. Okay, so hitmaker, tastemaker, creator, and co-host of RuPaul's Drag Race, which just won an Emmy for Outstanding Reality Program. How are you feeling now that you've won an Emmy? And, you know, you famously said that you'd rather have an enema. 
Well, I'm actually having both right now as we speak. <laughs> well, you're welcome, Rue. <laughs> Balanced diet. Very good. You know, the truth is um, I woke up the next day and did exactly what I was going to do had I not won the Emmy. And I'm still doing what I would have done without it. And so, you know, part of my plan never was about getting the status quo to validate me. Because if I was waiting for the status quo to validate me, I would have probably given up a long time ago. Um, that wasn't was never my goal. So I'm happy they gave it to me. Um, um, or, you know, to recognize all the people I work with. But for me personally, um, it's cool. Waco is all right, but um, it's not the beginning and end of me, you know? No, but I, I think one of the things that makes it a big deal, at least from where I sit, is is this show. It, the show, I mean, it it is fun, but it is also important at the same time without ever saying to anybody watching it, this is important. This is important television. And I think that there is something going on where people can see good TV for just being good TV, regardless of who's in front of the camera. Right. Yeah. And I appreciate that. You know, uh, we do this show because we love drag. We live the art of drag and we love what drag says and what it stands for, which is don't take life too seriously. Don't take your identity too seriously. We are all shapeshifters. We are all elements of the source experiencing humanity and life. Good, bad, evil, ugly, happy, gorgeous, all of it. No judgment. It's all good. I love that. I mean, all of the things that resonate with me have to do with that, that irreverence. And that's what drag is. It's irreverent. It's all the things that say, wink, wink, um, you know you're living in a dream, don't you? And don't forget. But then there are things that are, are, are important. Like, um, like love and like Mexican food. <laughs> <laughs> what we're doing is we are parodying the synthetic idea of femininity. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, it is a, a wink, wink, nudge, nudge to all of society, all of culture. It's saying identity is a hoax, people, and don't take it too seriously. Everything is up for laughs. And the, for the people who can't get on board with having fun, nothing can help them. You know, there's, it's whatever. Even this election, I'm sorry to go on so long, but no, even no. this election. Oh, no, bring it. You want to go to the election. I'm, I'm taking here. off my shirt, too. <laughs> I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to name names. But the thing is, this struggle, this fight is between people who are resisting the forward motion of mankind. It's a, it's a fight between the 20th century versus the 21st century, and the 21st century is moving forward, whether you like it or not. But people who want to go back in time and say, let's make it like it was before, that's actually never really happened before. (laughs) Drag is part of that forward motion of saying, this identity you have is just a facade. Get used to it. Mankind, we are very primitive. You know, we do like to say, well, we're so advanced. I can't believe some of the things that have happened in the past year. And even the tragedies that are happening, it's, it's bringing all of these people to the surface. You know, when a butterfly makes that metamorphosis, it's a violent thing. Mm. And that's what we're witnessing now. I don't know how much more of the violence we're going to have to endure before we turn into a butterfly, but it, yeah. there seems to be no end in sight. 
I was going to ask a follow-up question, but I don't even think I need to because, like, I mean, you have a butterfly metaphor. I've been thinking about what happens after an earthquake, you get a tsunami. You know, I've been saying that Obama and, you know, everything that, like, produced that presidency was the earthquake, and now you've got the tsunami happening with with this over mm-hmm. the last seven years, and it's reached its it's it's hitting land now. I don't know. I do think that that one of the things that that we're thinking about Jenna and I in terms of TV is I, I mean, if you turn on your TV, it it just looks different. There's stuff on TV that wasn't there three mm-hmm. or four years ago that you couldn't imagine having been there three or four years ago, and a lot of that self congratulations. It can be problematic in terms of how it's expressed. So I'm thinking about Jill Soloway the other night. She ended the speech by saying, down with, down with the patriarchy. No, no, no. Topple the patriarchy, which is yes, the name like of It was an instruction. Yeah. Topple, the topple, patri- the, yeah. topple, the, topple the patriarchy. You saw that. Do you have any, <laughs> do you have any feelings? I, I, you know, when you go up and uh, give a speech, you want to say, you want to say something that will resonate and that will be memorable. And uh, I believe in yin and yang. Both can coexist. The people who want to topple the patriarchy are also a part of it. Mm. You know, I, you know, I yeah. love those movies yeah. like The Sixth Sense and um, that movie with Nicole Kidman called oh, The, the Others, Others. Yeah, where the, the little boy says, "Yeah, I see dead people." And oh, and there's one, there's yeah. one, there's yeah. one, and oh, and by the way, um, you're one too. <laughs> and you're like, what? <laughs> What's my part in all of this? And we all play a part in this. You know, people ask me all the time, does Hollywood have an obligation to push things forward for everyone? This is more, you know, Hollywood doesn't have a moral obligation. They have a monetary mm-hmm. obligation. Mm-hmm. If people want to see more, you know, silver people on the screen, they will, or any color on the screen, those people have to buy a ticket. That's how Hollywood works. If you want something done, you do it. Not make everyone else do it. You have to do it. You know, I have a lot of views on this that aren't ready for prime time, ladies and gentlemen. Well, Rue, this is a podcast. This is nowhere near prime time. (laughs) You can listen to this at two o'clock in the morning if you want to. Um, you're gonna come back, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna Keep nail going. you down and make you talk about some other stuff that might get you in trouble at some future point. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I'm i you know I've won my Emmy. <laughs> <laughs> so you do love it. You love this. Where is it in your house? Well, it's it's right here on my desk, um, uh, at my office right now. But I you know I haven't. Uh, it just I sat it here when I got it. And, and it hasn't moved, but you know. Thank you and congratulations. Thank you. Bye, girl. Boy. RuPaul's Drag Race airs Thursdays on Logo, and your podcast, What's the Tea, is available every place that podcasts are available. Thanks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Oliver Stone Snowden. First, <laughs> it's time to pay the bills because you know what? She works hard for that money. Uh, work, work. Uh, she works hard for that money. Work, work. Mm. There's something undefinable that beckons travelers back to the greater Fort Myers area in southwest Florida year after year. It feels like bare feet on soft white sand beaches that give way to gently lapping waves. It looks like the breathtaking abundance of wildlife, colorful birds, dolphins, manatees, and more. 
dwelling in lush mangrove ecosystems and translucent gulf waters. It tastes like fresh coastal cuisine served at sunset at a waterfront restaurant. What will draw you back to Fort Myers? Go to visitfortmyers.com for more inspiration. Hey there, it's Ira Glass from This American Life. If you don't know our show, it's true stories that unfold like little movies for radio. Lots of them funny with surprising moments and plot twists. We've been on the radio for years. And we teamed up with the New York Times to bring you new episodes of This American Life a full day and a half before you can find them anywhere else online. And the place you can do that is the New York Times audio app every Saturday morning. In the app, you also find the best of our archive, hundreds of episodes, plus This American Life shorts, which are handpicked stories when you're in the mood to hear something good but you don't have time for a whole episode. And the New York Times audio app, can I say, is chock full of tons of other stories and podcasts curated every day for those moments that you want to listen to something and you don't know what you want to listen to. You can download it at nytimes.com slash audio app and subscribe to start listening. And if you're not already a New York Times subscriber, well, this is another reason to become one. Again, that's nytimes.com slash audio app. Well, there are two movies we want to talk about. One we both saw and one that I refused to see. So let's talk about the one that we both saw first. All right. So I'm going to set it up for us. Oliver Stone Snowden, which you saw. Mm Mm-hmm. It tells the story of an unlucky soldier. He got discharged from the military. He got injured. Uh, his name is Edward Snowden, of course. He became a high-level programmer at the CIA and later a contractor whose coding brilliance was too good for the Pentagon not to exploit. The movie jumps back and forth between his brief stint in the military to his life as a fugitive in a Hong Kong hotel, Wanted basically for stealing and disseminating information about classified surveillance programs that were used to spy on you. And, and you. And Everyone you, we know. And you, yeah. Um, average American citizens, basically. Meanwhile, at the other end of the world and the important scale, to some extent, uh, is Bridget Jones's Baby, which also opened Friday and nobody seemed to really want to see. Uh, it reunites a very game Renee Zellweger with the part that basically solidified her stardom. Um, This is the third of these movies. And for me, it's more of the same, but with one enormous distracting difference. Tell me all about it. I can't watch her face when I'm with her. (laughs) God, I know (laughs) that it's different. Oh, I can't watch her <laughs> face when I'm with her. I just can't do it. And I don't know why we can't talk about it, for for one thing. Yeah. Like, it's just third Well, you know rail. why we can't talk well, about it. Well, of course it, but... I know why we can't talk about it, but it's her, it's, it's her instrument. I'm just going to say it, because it's not that big a deal. Renee Zellweger had cosmetic surgery on her face. She's been away from the movies for too long, as far as I'm concerned. And I have to reconcile that the person I'm going to be watching does not look like the person that I used to be watching. This is like when Monica Sellis got stabbed and then she was gone for a little while to recover. And then she came back and she was still Monica Sellis, but it was slightly different. I had to get used to having a less great Monica Sellis (laughs) lose some tennis matches. That's it. Same thing. It's very easy to do, but Bridget Jones's Baby is going to have to be the movie where, for me, I make the reconciliation start. But my thing is, this is a character, Bridget Jones, who was appearance-obsessed. So much of Bridget Jones's comedy comes from her physicality and her willingness to look foolish and goofy and strange and embarrass herself, not 
because she thinks embarrassment is fun or anything. But but a lot of what this character is is presentational. And the reason I wouldn't go see it, <clears throat> the reason I wouldn't go see this movie is because the first movie is so important to me. And I absolutely love that movie. Bridget Jones's Diary is a fantastically timed film. And part of the reason it's so good is because every expression, every pause, every glance, every, you know what I mean? Like every single note is accounted for in this way that is hilarious. Like the look that Hugh Grant is giving her in the elevator, the look when he touches her butt, like every single thing in that film is predicated on her expression. Mm -hmm. And Personally, for me, like I, I think that I'm like very here for body mod. This will surprise no one, but I'm who knows me. But I'm very here for body modifications, and I'm very here for doing whatever you think you want to do to your body. But it does, and I agree with you. I think it feels very weird that we can't just talk about it without saying it's it's not good or bad. It just is. It just is. I have no, she can do whatever she wants to do to her face. And that goes without I saying. Don't, yeah, I don't of course. Care. It's that is not my problem. My problem is. It's like the person playing Bridget Jones has been switched with a different actor who looks kind of like Renee Zellweger but, and, and can do Renee Zellweger-like things, but isn't quite right. It's like when they switched on Viv right. did they on ever, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. In the movie, do they wink-wink nod to it, though? Because on Fresh Prince, they do. And even on Roseanne, when no. they switch out the Beckys, they no. do kind of a little, like, no. the first one was better. You know, they, yeah. they, no. like, they nod not, to it. It's not a Darren situation. Okay. Well, they didn't really acknowledge they switched Darren's on Bewitched <laughs> either. But it's more like, so it's more like that. I see. But the the fact of the matter is we still have a woman who I think is is a treasure. I I love how strange she is willing to make herself in yes. movies. Yes. I think that her performance in Chicago is one of the weirder things I've ever seen and a lot of what makes that performance so interesting is her body. Mm-hmm. She's so she makes that character so wraith-like. Mm-hmm. She's so thin and she doesn't even seem entirely real. Yeah, uh, I, I I like the way she plumped herself out for Cold Mountain and <laughs> did what was basically like a mammy part, but by Renee Zellweger. Um, she just is a she's a brave actor, yes. and I think yes. that the the hard time that I'm having with this movie, which by the way I should just say is not very good. Um, it is no one it expects is a, it to be. It That's is a pale too. imitation of the previous two movies. Uh, 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 and, did you see the second one? Because uh, the second sorry. one, she's in a Malaysian prison and there's a dance off. <laughs> so, so keep. It's, I, a, it's fool, an even paler. Listen, fool me yes. once. I wish I could do that. <laughs> that that scream. That who scream? Yeah. <laughs> Jenna Jenna Wortham won't get fooled again. <laughs> um, but wait. Okay. So what's the through line? Well. The experience of watching this movie for me and watching her in this movie is it kind of reminds me what Joseph Gordon-Levitt is dealing with in Snowden, Mm -hmm. which for me is the oral equivalent of watching Renee Zellweger in Bridget Jones's Baby. Mm -hmm. I can't get past his voice. I can't. It, he his imitation of Snowden's speaking patterns and his intonation is so perfect mm. that I am no longer seeing the person playing this part, which is it turns out is a much more interesting strategy because it is a strategy. Renee Zellweger is has made a different choice that maybe is not even her own based on the world she lives in. But yeah, well, yeah. or it, it doesn't it, it isn't a strategy for Bridget Jones necessarily. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's not like Bridget Jones is you know, new self, you know, that's not what the movie's about. But Joseph, Joseph Gordon-Levitt does something really interesting in Snowden, which is he, he so thoroughly inhabits one part 
of Edward Snowden that in a weird way, that one part sort of takes over the whole performance. Yeah, so you true. no longer see Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who has an advantage over Renee, over Renee Zellweger in that he's not a movie star the way she is a movie star. The way he functions in movies often is more character oriented than Renee Zellweger's function in he movies. He blends into the. He, yes. he just you just only start to see. So now who's you know he doesn't. He disappears in what I would say is a very novel way for an actor to disappear in a part. But you're still reckoning with this larger movie that Oliver Stone has made, and I I will I will speak first. I will say that I. I wanted a crazier movie. Mm-hmm. I wanted something that taps into what is, I think, thrilling about Oliver Stone as a filmmaker. I wanted all of the nutso paranoia of something like JFK or the sort of moral hypocrisy of natural born killers. I wanted oh, a crazy, I Talk wanted about one I, of my favorite films. Yeah. I know. I mean, I wanted a crazy movie. Even you turn. The Oliver Stone version, uh, the uh, the version of Oliver Stone that that shows up for a movie like U Turn, yeah, is just way more interesting to me than yeah. than this movie, which I think is going to be used because it, it is sort of it's so clear minded, can be used to make a lot of arguments about what the government did with Snowden's work and what they did with the surveillance programs. But it isn't very, as a movie, it's not very interesting or very entertaining. It's so long. It's, Another first thing of all, you should have warned me about, it, by the way, you said, we're going to see Snowden this weekend. And I was like, cool. Yo, I rolled into the movies at 9.30. I did not get home until midnight 30. I was very disappointed. Luckily, I was in a, a theater where they served wine, so I was fine. But I was just <laughs> like, I kept being like, oh, what boy. else? It is inherently impossible to make anything to do with computers interesting or sexy or visually fun you know yeah, it is this was the problem with amen. the social network hackers was only cool because angelina jolie is a total babe like it was not that movie was not you know the matrix was cool because it was very visually about going into another world but, but like, it wasn't about hackers right like i mean it like wasn't you, about if it I was about see, the hack it was about the you know what i yeah, mean it, yeah it, it, it was about the universe of that and you can't frankly like it's very 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 difficult to you know, attempt anything artful or interesting about the act of spying unless you're the, you're the show The Americans. Like, you can't, like, there were a lot of, like, zooms into camera lens refracted in pupils, and, like, that's great, but also really corny. And, you know, it's very, and I there was a really, for me, I mean, you know, I had two main thoughts when I was watching the film. One, which was there was a huge opportunity that was missed in the film, and this is kind of a spoiler alert, but not really. But there's a scene in which jo- Joseph Gordon-Levitt is sitting with his girlfriend, and he's played who, by Shailene Woodley. Written, Lindsay Mills is his girlfriend, Sill's girlfriend, which is like so romantic to me that she's like living with him in Russia. But you know, she is like, "What's the big deal?" He's trying to get her to cover her webcam, and she's like, "I don't get it. Like, what's the deal? Like, I have nothing to hide." And he, which is like a common refrain that people yes. spit back when when we talk. About surveillance, we talk about these programs <clears throat> keeping an eye on America, but also the world. He says to her, "Like you don't get it. It's not about whether or not you have something to hide." And she says, "Well, then what is it about?" And he just lets it drop. And I'm like, "That actually, to me, the whole movie is about that argument. Like, mm-hmm. no matter what mm-hmm. else, because first of all, this incident happened three years ago, and for a lot of people like myself who are very immersed in the tech world, very, very, very like." bought into everything that the Facebooks and Googles and all these companies had to offer us were heartbroken. When the Snowden disclosures came out, I remember exactly where I was and exactly what I was doing. And I was in an online chat room with all my 
internet friends. I'm cool. You know, emotionally <laughs> distraught though. Like I felt, right. yeah. I told you this, I felt mm-hmm. betrayed. Like yeah. I, I cried. I was like, oh my God, we've been, we've been lied to. We've been lied. I've been lied to. I've, I've read the terms of service. I'm actually a person who looks at those things and thinks about what I'm disclosing. And the truth is that none of it matters because the government can actually just take whatever they want from me. And, and I have nothing to hide, but that's not that it doesn't matter. Like everyone right. should have the option to hide. And and the fact that that's the thing that never really came out in the movie was so disappointing to me. So I don't know. I guess my biggest takeaway from the film was like this material is so damn dense and we actually need a visual three hour long Wikipedia video to understand it. And even then it didn't really explain it. But he made your Wikipedia video. That's but barely, the problem. But he didn't I, explain I feel like it. That's the problem with the he movie. He didn't explain it. Did he compromise national security? How is it going to affect the next election? Also, what do we do with that information? And I think that's the thing. It's like, I don't actually, I know we walked back some of the, the, you know, parameters of how yes. prism and these other programs worked. But the truth is like, we don't actually, we don't actually know. And I don't know if people don't want to talk about it because a lot of this happened under Obama. Like, I, don't, I just don't know why this isn't a bigger part of the national conversation. I think it's too dense. It's too dense. It, it, that is true. It is too dense. I find the the most frustrating thing about this movie to be the fact that there is a better movie <laughs> that exists about this whole thing. Uh-huh. It's called Citizen Four. Oh, it's so and good. Yeah. It's, it's a, I would say it is the best American thriller I've seen in about 10 years. So good. Citizen Four, which is the, the documentary that Laura Poitras made in the room with Edward Snowden in Hong Kong with Glenn Greenwald as the news was breaking. They broke the news together, Poitras, Greenwald, and Snowden. And it, the movie tacks on the making of that movie the Snowden, I mean, as the framing device, which is, is so the framing weird. device of Oliver so Stone's movie, and it's so. I find it actually insulting. If I were Laura Portress, yeah, I'd be like, get the expletive out of here because my movie's better. Yeah, I was there. I was physically in the room with Edward Snowden as this story was breaking. He contacted me. I mean, she's she's too modest in some ways to to be that person. Unlike her counterpart, but she, she kind of doesn't have to be because the yeah. movie exists. It won the documentary Oscar last year. last year, so well deserved. And I just don't understand why this movie has to exist if all it's going to do is is give some humanity to a person who I think, if you've seen this movie, if you've seen Laura Portress's movie, you I, I definitely left that movie with a different. With a warmth for for Edward Snowden as a person, and I understand why he did what he did and how he couldn't stand to keep doing his job under the circumstances. Well, but you know why this movie had to be made, though. I mean, this is like, you know, we had to recast Edward Snowden or whatever. Oliver Stone felt like he had to recast Ed Snowden as an American hero, not as an American traitor. And that was the mission that he set out with this film. Right. And that's what you sort of walk away feeling. So, Citizen Four revolutionized you, will revolutionize you. Snowden itself will just remind you, I guess. It's a Hallmark <laughs> card. So whistleblower, <laughs> traitor, Oliver Stone is on the whistleblower side. We'll be right back. So thanks for walking me. The Bryant Park to get a coffee. My pleasure. I appreciate it. I needed to get out of the studio. Yes. Uh, it's. I've been thinking a lot about what what Rue was saying about oh, so many gems. There's a lot of gems. Um, but one of the things he talked about was 
the caveman crazy person inside of all of us and how anytime a, there's a moment of trouble it couldn't it just it's gonna come out and I've been very optimistic with you about this TV situation and you have been very skeptical and I've been like you're crazy to be skeptical that's not necessary things are good uh, but I've been thinking about like what he said and it makes sense he what I mean TV is really good for everybody at the to moment to a point yes uh, but what happens when like the apocalypse comes to cable right, right. and it, it takes away 400 of our 430 channels and we're left with 29 channels say yeah who's Who on TV then TV show then right absolutely I don't know I've just been thinking a lot about that it's fair only because it it has to be fair but is it is it proportionally fair when there were when the landscape is smaller when there's like one city left in the digital TV world instead of dozens yeah. hundreds I don't know. It's something to think about. And I, it's not a test I necessarily want to take. But it is a question worth asking. And it's something to be on your guard for. It's got me in the mood that I was already in when we got into the studio today anyway, which was despair about the state of things. It's another black man has been shot. The police caught the guy who... They think... Uh, they think they caught the guy who littered New Jersey and New York with with Pipe potential bombs. bombs. David Simon is using the N-word on Sean Hannity. With, like, a, like a, free, a freeness that I haven't experienced. Angelina Jolie is filed for divorce from Brad Pitt. And the world loses its mind. Everybody's mourning. Hours after, the report comes hours after the video footage of, of Terrence Crutcher being shot. Makes the rounds. And killed is released. I'm upset. And a lot of my upset comes from... A lot of it is the convergence. This week has been particularly crazy. Donald Trump Jr. comparing Syrian refugees to Skittles. Yeah. Poisonous Skittles. Thank God for <laughs> Samantha B. in a lot of ways, who's like willing to spend her show calling the media and white male talk show hosts out for being... for condoning Trump. I don't know. I, I don't know I what need, I do without Twitter this week. Just you I know. don't know what I'm doing with Twitter, to be honest with you. I have to take a step back. I need a detox remedy. Oh. I need you, you to Is help that why you're me. looking at me? I, I'm looking at you because I love looking at Aww. you. But I also am looking at you because I need you to help me. Yeah, what are your... I, I mean, need some listen, detox. we all need help, but what are your... We need, I need some media detox. I mean, this is horrible. Like, I actually... I opened Twitter. The reason I'm saying I, I'm, I love Twitter is because it's... It, you know, there's always a meme or an idea or something that just like puts exactly the point on what I'm trying to grapple with. And either I it's hope like it's a not Jennifer Aniston or... clapping her hands. Sure, I'll take that too. Like that's fine. To me, that is like a momentary relief from you know everything else I'm trying to digest and process. Mm -hmm. But okay, you asked me about remedies. I'll just tell you what I decided to do this week. I searched Groupon for discounted deep tissue massages. <laughs> bought a couple. Um, I'm gonna make lip balm this weekend. She's going to do something for me. All right. Well, I'm going to come over. We're going to put on a record. We're going to listen to Miss Nina Simone. We're going to whip up something on the double boiler. And we're going to, you know, work on healing ourselves <laughs> so we can come back ready, ready to go for next week. All right. Well, thanks for making me feel better, Jenna. Thanks for bringing me outside. Thanks for the trying to make me feel better. Thank I couldn't stay in that studio one more minute. 
Uh, it's anything so beautiful for you. outside right now. That's our show this week, everybody. Thank Thanks you for, for listening. Tuning in. All of our episodes, all of our links, all of our social info is at nytimes.com forward slash still processing. This show is a product of the New York Times. It's produced by Jenna Weiss Berman and Henry Malofsky, who I didn't see enough of this week, and Max Linsky, who I saw a lot of. They all work at Pineapple Street Media, and we got editorial oversight from Lisa Tobin. Thanks also to Emily Becker and Samantha Hennig. But most of all, we want to thank you guys for listening. That's right. We've been getting all these great voicemails, and we want to keep getting more. So give us a call at 405-458-4237, a.k.a. 405-45-VIBES. So we get these voicemails. Here's our favorite one this week. Roll it, Henry. We'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Hi, my name is Alexander. I am listening here in Los Angeles. I just want to let y'all know that I think I found my new best friend in the both of y'all. Y'all really keep me laughing, and you're talking about the things that I'm talking about with people at work. I have found my new favorite podcast and my new best friend. I love y'all. Peace and love. Have a wonderful day.